Welcome back to another episode of Sales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those who sell for a living. And I am joined by a longtime listener, first-time caller, Sean Robertson from Aslan Training and Development. Sean, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Scott. I will say it's an honor. It's an honor. <laughs> and I know you don't mean that. I just I want mean, to know why is... it's taken so long. I think that the, you ran totally out of the depth chart. Nobody was available. And then you said, hey, Sean. Oh, that's good. No, Wait. that is not the case. I mean, no. you are a, an esteemed author of a, of a recent blog, Increase Your Salesforce Staff Without Adding People, that has really gotten a lot of run in the press. And uh, we just had to have you on as a guest after that. Well, whatever it is, if it was the dues that I've been paying that finally, you know, came into fruition, or if it was the blog that was written, whatever it is, I consider it an honor to be here. Thank you. Well, it is great to have you. And we have a great topic to discuss how we are all sellers in this life. I know most of the people listening to this are professional salespeople, but that's not all true. I know my sister-in-law, Jill, is listening to this and she's got a retail outlet over in Newport. So that's, you know... (laughs) shouldn't view herself as a sales rep, but she listens to the show. So before we get into that content, uh, we need to know what's cold, frosty, and refreshing in front of you today. Let me tell you what. So we were talking earlier, and I've been a listener. I mean, I missed the 100th episode, right? What are we on now, right? One, oh, 103. This, yeah, this is, we're into the 104th, maybe, I think this is. Okay. So if it's 103, 104, I was going back and said, how many beers have we brought? Tales with Aslan that came from the state of Texas. I'm going to, I think the answer to that might be zero. Zero. Yeah. I'm bringing the first. Yeah, I think you are. This is is not, you know, I don't know how recognizable it is across the country for your viewership and your (laughs) listenership, but um, I spent some time in Texas and it became one of my favorites. And it's out of a small town called Shiner, Texas. And what I'm having today is a Shiner Bach. And um, so you were told, I got to give you a little color on it, right? Yeah, give me a little something on it. Brewed by local craftsmen who take pride in our little brewery and our classic Shiner Bach. The American style Bach has a clean flavor and a slightly sweet finish. Coming to you from Shiner, Texas, population 2,069 exactly. Oh, my heavens. That is a lot of detail and i hope it tastes as good as it sounds and while all the other ones i have have always tasted good so i'm assuming this one will as well all right well you crack that open and get yourself going i have i have gone across the state of rhode island to a little brew house um the tilted barn and Mm. um the tilted barn breweries and i believe it's in exeter and uh, this is the Chosen One Double IPA, which if you listen to the show, you know I am not a huge double IPA fan. I am less mm. hoppy, the better sort of guy. But um, I found this one interesting. The Chosen One is an American double IPA overflowing with hops and weighing in at a surprisingly subtle 8.5% ABV. Mm. This beer needs no introduction to sit back, relax, and enjoy. You have Chosen wisely (laughs) and it was and it came from a barn so it's got to be good right let's crack that pup bring it yeah oh i like the color yeah i like the color how would you describe the color to our viewership i'm gonna go beyond amber to a sort of a brown honey ish looking Mm. color not sure if they'd 
I don't know if they'd call it that, but it's um, it's, it's also very heady with that pour that I just did. And that is a nice pour, my friend. I was I was going to comment on your colorblindness as well as your pour right there. That's so going to be a while. Good thing they're not watching. <laughs> I may not be able to drink that until we're done. Uh, That's a terrible pour. Maybe the 105th episode that that one comes out on. Well, let's get into the content because I love this subject. I mean, you know, um, you know Joe Calavito, who we work with. He had a great story mm. about how we are all salespeople um, when he was coaching Bonnie. And I may have told this story once or twice on the pod, but she, she has, was a waitress who had failing knees and had to take a job selling insurance from a desk job. And mm. he really had a hard time convincing her that she was a good sales rep because she said, I, I've never sold before. And he said, well, what did you do before? And she said, I was a waitress. And he said, you don't think you were selling when you were a waitress? And just walked her through this idea that, you know, when you offer dessert and when you offer coffee and you, as they say in the business, run up the bill, that's terrible because we're other-centered sales rep. We're not running up the bill. We're giving right. people what they want. But when you're offering other solutions to problems, like you might still be hungry, how about some dessert? Uh, you are indeed influencing and selling. And so it's sure. everybody. We all do it. So, so Sean, help us set this up as the author of this great blog that's out. You know, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and then what inspired you to write the blog and, and, and sort of where we're headed with this conversation. Absolutely. So uh, history. Um, I, first of all, I would say that I can remember. I can remember in high school talking to a good friend of mine whose dad ran a sales organization. And we were talking about what we were going to be when we grew up. Remember when you had those conversations? Oh, absolutely. When you grew up, right? I didn't know what I was going to be, but my answer emphatically to him was I was not going to be in sales. Mm. That wasn't. And, and, you know, and I thought about what are all the reasons why I didn't want to be in sales. I didn't want to be pushy. I didn't want to try to force somebody into doing something that they didn't want to do. All that changed when you know, really my first real job, which was the beginning of a 20-year stint with a uh, company that ended up being a part of a Fortune 500 uh, distribution company. Um, I started in sales at the beginning. Everything from selling on a phone in a small three-desk office in Kansas City, Kansas, all the way up to when I left at 20 years, I was running our sales organization. Yeah. So for a guy who said he would never do sales, I missed <laughs> my turn somewhere. Um, you must've watched all those bad sales movies back in the 90s. Exactly. 90s. There was something that, that showed me that uh, that wasn't what I wanted to do, but I've since had a change of heart. But, mm -hmm. uh, and then you know, after that, I, I had the distinct privilege to have the opportunity. I, I hired Aslan uh, yep. back in 2008 to come in and help us build a sales training program for inside salespeople. Got to know the company, got to know the heart, um, and just fell in love with Aslan uh, and the team that made, makes it all possible. So been seven years now plus uh, with Aslan, and now I um, have responsibility for what we call the solution. So we've got a sales organization that sales interacts with the clients and sells you know, who we are and how we help. And then once that is sold, we have to be able to deliver. We create programs, we create content, uh, and hit the mark. Ultimately, I have a twofold mission uh, with my responsibility as vice president of solution. And it's simply put, um, to make our customers happy mm -hmm. and keep our employees proud. 
standing in front of the Aslan brand. So that's what we do. And that's what I spend my day doing, trying to make sure that we hit that mark for every customer that we have the opportunity to serve. And it's interesting, you're a living, breathing example of what we're about to talk about for the next few minutes today, because yeah, technically you don't have sales anywhere in your title. It's not in your job description at all, but I am positive because I've seen it, um, that you are a crucial part of the sales effort, not only in delivering the solutions that, that our sales reps sell, but also even in some cases getting involved in client-facing activity to prove or what's the right word? As Tom always says, let them taste the hamburger, you know, mm-hmm. at this restaurant that we call Aslan. Uh, you're a big part of that. And so a great example, a shining example of how, you know, folks that don't carry a sales title are all in the influence business and help us, uh, you know, as a company. But today we want to really talk about, you know, what's, what's changed recently and, and how do we as companies get the most leverage out of every employee? That's kind of where we want to head with this. So kind of break it down. What's, what the heck's happened over the last year? I know something's been going on. Yeah, I think everybody's aware uh, there's not a person on the globe that hasn't been touched by what's been going on over the last 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's my belief and as I would get the privilege of working with all of our clients in some form or fashion, um, it's believed that, you know, I told one organization the other day that, you know, this pandemic has leveled the sales playing field, mm-hmm. right? What we did yesterday, 12, 18 months ago, that led us to the front of the line, maybe put us as the number one, number two player in our space, has been leveled by everything going virtually. Our products still have to function, right? And there's enough challenges with that, with supply chain and everything else. But the way that we approach and you know engage our clients, it's all been a level. The playing field has been set back to zero. So now you've got to rise up again. And you know, I kind of had the, the phrase that there's a lot of organizations out there, sales leaders and organizational leaders that are in line for a heart transplant. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that they've had what used to work inside of them and what used to make them successful, maybe failing them, right? Something's not working in this new environment that we're in. Um, so what are you going to do? You got to reset, you got to reestablish yourself. And really, you know, a lot of organizations, uh, because of some of the limitations I've had. Now, if you've been one of the organizations that has grown because of the situation that we're in, uh, congratulations to you that you've been able to have that success. But for a lot of organizations, they're having to rethink everything, right? They have to rethink, you know, what their customer's decision-making process is. How are we going to take care of our employees? They're working from home now. The environment has all changed. You know, expectations have changed. All of this has been reset to zero and we're looking to do anything we can to gain market share and to be able to grow our business. And that means even if you don't have the size of sales organization that you want, that you would think yesterday would be required to do that, we've got to rethink how we can have influence with our clients. And I think that's what's brought this topic up um, is that we have horsepower within any organization that doesn't wear you know, a, a, a name tag uh, or a sticker that says I'm in sales, they can still have influence. And the yeah. question is, is how do we how, how do we make that happen using the resources that we have? Which I love because one of the clients that I work very closely with had a situation where, again, non-sales personnel over the last year um, 
let's like like service type people like field mm-hmm. service engineers uh schedulers customer service reps that take the phone calls from the clients they all kind of work behind the scenes i guess field service engineers technically go out on site but they had a need to try to uh i don't know have those folks just ask an extra couple of questions, use their influence that they gain because of the receptivity that the, that the customer has to people that are helping them and be able to then, you know, search for, for ways that we can help them in additional ways, you know, additional uh, services or products that might be helpful, not selling, but I mean, I guess it is technically selling, you're offering products, but the point is, it doesn't feel like selling because you are serving and you're helping and you're just doing the best you can to do that. And that, that company was kind of a little bit ahead of the pandemic, but I think right. more and more companies have to start thinking that way. Every resource in my company is an asset that can be um, pre- prepared to influence a little bit more than what they think they can. I mean, we're not all stuck mm-hmm. in the Glengarry Glen Ross days of selling. Where That's right. the, uh, yeah, put the, put the coffee down, Jack Lemon. Right. Uh, coffee is for coffee closers. For closers, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it, right? So we have some resources that are close to the customer and really can be a part of the sales process, right? So I had the privilege of talking to a guy who's a sales uh, professional for a um, capital equipment manufacturer, and he was talking about uh, this weekend just the importance of everybody that was in the value chain. Right. And, and when I'm talking about that, it's like, you know, they had project managers, they would have procurement, they had different people that were on the supply chain side, there was the, you know, integrator side, all of these different people are touching the customer in some form or fashion. And the truth is, even if they don't sell, right, and they don't try to upsize or look for one or two more things, they have influence. That's true. Yeah. Right. And, and today, we're all fighting for a smaller piece of the pie of available share, right? And with everybody being reset and kind of going back to a more common ground and got to build yourself back up, every person that touches the customer is so integral in either whether you get the business or you keep the business or you get the next piece of the business. And that's accounts payable, receivables, distribution centers all over the board because they impact the amount of influence that an organization can have on a client and their experience. Well, and I'm glad, I'm glad we're talking about this because I think, you know, I think the idea in the word selling get, gets a bad rap, right? I mean, it's, yep. I mean, it's probably because of the, I already referenced one movie. I love your blog because it talks about some of these movies, um, Glengarry Glen Ross being one that, that painted sales as a very depressing, dark profession, right? I mean, sure. um, I don't know if you remember the boiler room. I think it was out around the same time, maybe a little later in the 90s about high pressure sales. You remember? Yeah, Ben uh, Affleck. Yeah, uh, was it? I think it might have been. Vin Diesel was in it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the one, um, oh gosh, the recent one with uh, uh, Wall Street, Wolf of Wall Street with uh, right. Leonardo. Like just that high pressure, constant, you know, win-lose type of negotiator right. uh, type of salesperson. And that really paints the profession negatively. And so no one wants that name associated with them. But I love that you referenced the book To Sell is Human by Daniel Pink in your blog. Um, and it's a great blog to go read. You all should go read it. Um, you know, he talks about how as human beings, we are always influencing. And so we have this innate ability in us. We okay. have this calling because most of us have to influence somebody about something during any given day. 
Um, and why not as a company put that skill set to use uh, for the for for the company and in the best interest of our customers, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, the list goes on and on, right? Uh, Daniel Pink makes it. You know, the reference. Uh, Aslan, Tom Stanfield will tell you. You know, um, selling is the highest form of service. Right. Yeah. Just another way to express that. Mark Cuban, a uh, well-known person from the Shark Tank, mm-hmm. uh, entrepreneurial. Um, you know, he says in business, you're always selling. You're selling prospects, investors, employees. It doesn't matter. You're always selling something. So the point is, is how do we get the most amount of horsepower out of the fact that we're all influencing in one way or another? Because we're trying to get ahead of the game and create more value for our clients. The fact is, if you're trying to do that with a limited pool of resources that you have in a sales organization, you might be missing horsepower that you could potentially be using uh, to get you to the front of the line quicker. Yeah. And a couple of things that you touched on in the blog that I think are worth, worth um, mentioning here as we then transition to the how. So we're going we're to get into how an organization might, might leverage all these talents, but as, as influencers, as salespeople that we all are, if we believe that to sell is human, um, we do talk about the listening skill and the, and the transparency of our motive in the blog, right? It's, right. it's so important. And by the way, these are not new concepts for loyal listeners to Ales with Aslan because we, we all the time talk about the concept of being able to listen. Here you, you use the, old, the age old uh, line from, from Yoda, two ears, one mouth, listen <laughs> twice as much as you speak. Right. <laughs> I love that, especially with Baby Yoda, one of my favorites in the new in the new Star Wars series. The uh... big fan of all things Yoda, just in general. <laughs> exactly. But so, talk to us a little bit about those two those two pieces the the two the two ears one mouth, but also the um, the uh, transparency of our motive. Yeah, I mean, I think these two things are, are critical, right? And everybody knows uh, physical features. You have two ears and one mouth, and that was strategically decided for us, I believe. Um, but man, just the power of listening, mm. especially right now. Think about, again, I go back to the environment that we talked about that has changed. Everybody's work environment, the customer's work environment, our work environment, you know, just the importance and the critical nature of somebody effectively listening mm-hmm. uh, has always been paramount. That's one of the things that I feel like everybody can have a competitive advantage on in selling yeah. if they choose is to be able to be a good listener. The problem is it's just not inherent. Most of us have an overdrive mechanism that's kind of the self that jumps into it and it prevents us from listening. But man, when we do it, it is such a critical critical play as far as our ability to create value. And again, no matter what role you have in any given organization, everyone has the ability to listen, to be empathetic, and to try to do what they can to solve based on what they hear, right? But if we don't listen, obviously um, we miss those opportunities. And I believe, and we've seen enough of it, you know, just in the last 12 months to know that those that do listen, get ahead. Yeah, yeah. Simply, whether that's your people or the customers. Well, and I think, you know, we're, I'm gonna give a little, um, little help to those that have spouses at home that are listening to this, because when you, as we talk about here, clear your cash. When you, when you take everything out of your head, you think you know about what someone's about to say, and let's just say it's your spouse in this particular instance, you know, you are listening with a lens on and, and you're not hearing everything. You're not hearing the truth. You're not listening for the truth. You're not listening for what that person's actually trying to tell you. And you've got this, this sort of, I don't know, filter on, 
But when you totally clear your cache and totally listen, you are in a position to learn something new and ultimately be able to potentially repeat back to that person what you think you heard to the point where they say, wow, exactly. You totally got what I said versus, well, you know what happens with my wife sometimes. She goes, you weren't listening to me at all, were you? <laughs> you you've been accused of selective listening? Scott? I, I mean, what? a lot. <laughs> Scott, I was the only one that had that t-shirt. I've, no. I've got that. Got no, yeah. no, you are not the only one. Yeah, no, but I'm working yeah. on it, Sean. I promise I am. Working and on as I am as well. And I, and I think there's so much on top of that, right? Just the simple act, right? The simple act of saying, you know what, Scott, I want to understand your perspective. Yeah. Would you mind telling me what are you thinking here? You know, what, what, what have you got, right? Tell me where you are. And when you flip that switch and you, to your point, you have to filter down and you honestly say that we call it taking the trip. Yeah. Right. Where I want to understand your perspective. That's the first key to have an influence. And again, anybody can do this. This is not fancy mind tricks, you know, of selling. It's just about listening, having a genuine interest and being willing to say, Hey, look, explain to me where you're coming from. Tell me about your perspective on this. And let me see if there's anything that I can do to help. Well, Huge impact. You know, Tom on a recent podcast said this, which I thought was very, very compelling and very interesting that it is a mindset, right? I mean, you go into any conversation, we all default to self. It's natural. We've never, ever had to tell a two-year-old to just be more selfish. Like, That's you right. should say mine more. You, they just naturally default to, their, to themselves. That's, that's a survival instinct, I guess. But we, you know, when, when Tom talks about before any conversation, whether it's with a client or his spouse or with one of us, he always has to make sure he puts himself in an other-centered mindset where he really wants to learn and know what we're trying, you know, what we're trying to accomplish and really sure. uh, put our needs above his own. And I think that's when the CEO of our company says that it's really, it really hit me that, you know, that is indeed what we teach and that is indeed what we are as humans. I think we're called to serve and, and put others needs ahead of our own. So I think that's a, that's where that motive is transparent, right? If you come in with that motive, no one's going to accuse you of anything uh, <laughs> nefarious. Is that it? Yeah, a exactly. You know, or that's a vocabulary word that's above my pay grade, but I'll trust that it's accurate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are the things, right? That we use the term. It's easy to see when somebody has commission breath, yes. right? If yeah. your motive or your driver is to close a deal, yeah. right? Glengarry, Glen, uh, Glen Glenn Ross, right? It's always be closing. If that's your motive, that's tough today, yeah. right? That's yeah. a tough culture to sell in. That's a tough culture to win in, right? But when your motive is to serve and that's why you're here and that is to help the customer, you know, get what they want. And to your point, you're creating these win-win situations. People see that. And today, above all times, I think people are drawn to that and they're also repelled from the other. Yeah. So, and, and not only does it, it potentially win you an audience in first time engagements, but I think creates the ultimate form of business loyalty and, and, and human loyalty, right? Because people see, they see through the trash and they definitely can sense pure motivation, I think. And, you know, maybe those Glengarry tactics will work a percentage of the time. I have no idea. I, I really have never tried it in my 30 years of, of selling um, but I, I can imagine, you know, people believe that works. And if that works for you, then fine. But I, I, I don't think that's as fulfilling for me as our approach of putting customer needs ahead of our own. And, 
And whether you're a professional salesperson or just someone that influences within a company, I think you, you, you should consider that. Um, yeah. Which is, I think if you look and I think we at Aslan try to make sure we always drink our own Kool-Aid. And if yeah. you deal with anybody, <laughs> anyone in our organization, what drives us and what puts, you know, people on our team is because we have a heart to serve. So anybody that touches our organization, whether you're dealing with the operational side, you're dealing with the financial side, the facilitation side, or the, you know, the building of program side or the selling side, all of it. We all realize that we have influence on the customer, yeah. right? And we want to make sure that the brand of serving always goes forward. And it has a huge impact. We talk to the customers all the time. As recently as I was working with a group in Canada just a couple of weeks ago, and they keep talking about how everybody in the organization demonstrates this other centered nature, right? Which is the greatest compliment that we can have. But that's the reason we do it is because one, it's very fulfilling to have an organization that is recognizes that, but it also yields fruit. Yeah. It, it gets results. It does. It does. So let's bring this home by actually talking a little bit about, you know, the corporate impact or, you know, the business impact of this mentality of leveraging all of your employees as sales influencers or salespeople or, or even brand ambassadors, if we just want to call it that, right? Sure. Um, let's talk about just the exact how of, you know, of how we, of how someone in a leadership position or even someone from the ground up can influence that kind of shift inside of a company. Yeah. What do you, what do you suggest? Well, I think it's a great question. And it's one that, again, when, you know, if you're leading an organization today and you're trying to figure out, all right, this is the new norm. It's not changing anytime soon. In order for us to thrive in this environment, we're going to have to change some things. The question is, is what can we do, right? We're going to drive everything we can with our sales force, continue to get them interacting with the client experience. The question is, what can you do with the rest of the horsepower that we have in the organization? right? I don't know what the ratio of salespeople to others is in any given organization, but there's a lot on the other side of the fence. So I think there are three simple things that any leader can do to evaluate and go, okay, what can we do to increase our horsepower with a bunch of people that say, yeah, but I'm not in sales, right? The first one that I, I say is, you know, you can flip the org chart. Right. So what do we mean by this? Any typical traditional organization, you know, if you've got an org chart, it's going to have the leader at the top, the CEO, and then there are going to be people that, you know, come off of the organization. Ultimately, it's going to go down to your front line. Yep. And then those front line people are going to serve your customers, right? By flipping the org chart and saying, no, we're not going to look at our model this way, our organization this way anymore. We're going to put the customer on top. Mm-hmm. It is the driver of everything that we do and all that we are, right? So when the customer goes to the top and you flipped it, now all of a sudden your front line, whether that's sales or it could be distribution center, it could be customer service, it could be marketing, whatever they are that are closest to the customer, they're at the top of the pyramid now. They're at the top of the org chart. Yeah. And everything comes down to then the leader, CEO, whatever you want to call it, um, is no longer viewed as being, you know, the top dog in this whole deal. The customer's viewed that way, right? So, you know, I kind of say that the, uh, you know, the 
Ricky Bobby School of Theology, if any of you remember <laughs> Talladega Nights, right, where he said, you know, if you ain't first, you're last. You have to challenge that thought process right now. Maybe the last should be first, and no, the first should be last, and the last should be first. Yeah. By doing that, that's the first step I think any organization can take, but we're going to shift mindsets, right? It says a lot to an organization when you're willing to do that. Now, it takes a strong leader yeah. to do that, right? But even if you do that, you're going to still have to go a step further. And the question is, is what comes after that? And I say, you know, first step is to flip the work, Jordan. Well, and second, before we move on to the second one, I, I just wondered, do, does Tom know you're talking this way? Does, does he know he works for us now? I, you know, I, I don't tell him that. Okay. But I okay. try to make sure that he knows that. All right. I'm, I'm going I'm to send him a text and just tell him we just made an org change. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, I've seen, here's the truth of this, right? That's not an original. I have heard Tom and I've seen other servant leaders at the you know helm of many organizations do just that, right? Yeah. So Tom is definitely uh, not only a subscriber to that, he's a client to it as well. Of right? course. And I kid, everybody knows Tom's heart is in that, uh, that exact place. So, so that's the first thing. What's the second sort of uh, piece to this approach? And I look at these two because, you know, having run a sales organization for several years, I know that we're not always strapped with flexibility, right? Financially, we may be below budget, below plan, that creates pressure. But what are some of the things that we can do that won't necessarily impact, you know, those performances right now as far as our expense, our budget? I believe step number two that you can do is by communicating new job descriptions. Right. This doesn't cost anything, but it changes a lot. Right. By as a leader that steps up and says, hey, you know, we're going to flip the org chart. Customers going to be priority number one. We're going to start talking about that. Well, let's look at everybody's job description that drives the support of that customer. Because, I mean, think about all the people, Scott, you came from a big organization as well. And you think about people in different roles, support roles throughout the you know organization do they really view themselves? Would they say in their job description that their role is to be an influencer, mm. to have a positive impact on the customer experience because it's critical? You know, market share comes from everybody doing a part to serve the customer. Mm. And just by, you know, simply rewording and restructuring, you know, these job descriptions to where everybody's accountable to it and it's going into print. There's something about when things go into print that it changes the mindset a little bit. Yeah. When you look at everybody, and now all of a sudden there's a portion of their job description that points towards serving the client that they are accountable and integral in making that happen, that's a big step. Yes. And I'd say that's the second step, right, that we can all do um, to kind of get this mindset or this heart transplant in place of, hey, we're going to move the customer to the front of the line, and we're going to serve, and by the way, we're going to use all the horsepower we had to do it. And I love that, that well, you just said that it's a very nuanced piece, but just by putting something in writing, I think that's true for a lot of us. You, <laughs> you think something and it's one thing, you write it down and it sort of becomes uh, more real, really. So, so if an organization uses that mentality, this is, a great, this is a great way to show that, assigning the new job descriptions and so on. So I like yeah. that. All right, let's close it out with number three. What's the last thing that uh, companies could consider doing? Number three is a challenge to, really to everybody. Um, that, that's, you know, leading an organization or leading change uh, in this state that we're in right now. And, and I call it investing in your extra degree. Um, mm. There was a book came out um, by Sam Parker several years ago called 212 Degrees. 
Love that. And the whole point, you know, Scott, I know you know the book, right, is that, you know, uh, one degree makes a difference from water just being hot yep. to turning into steam. And mm -hmm. steam turns into something that can drive a locomotive, right? Yeah. It can create real change, right? It's just the difference of that one degree. And when I say invest in your one degree, these other people, this horsepower that we have in addition to our sales organization, they can be a huge impactor of that extra degree, right? And just touching, impacting, making the customer feel, you know, loved, appreciated, valued, all that stuff. Invest in your, other, your one degree. I also, as I was talking to the customer that I mentioned the other day, uh, at a group in Canada, and we had their marketing uh, and some of their technical people that were going to be going through a sales training. And we inevitably get the question like, I, I'm not in sales. You know, I'm in marketing. Why do, why do I even care about this, right? There's a lot of connection in any organization between, you know, those people, other people, and what we're teaching our salespeople, our sellers to do. And, and I also mentioned um, The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, right? Okay. It's a great book from several, oh. yeah, years ago. But he talks about, you know, the different people in organizations that are not necessarily salespeople. Some are right? Mavens and connectors and the different roles of taking organizations from one point over the tipping point. Both are great examples of what I mean by investing in your extra degree. Yeah. Invest in these people somehow, right? Look at your org chart, look at their job descriptions, but do, see what you can do to invest in them to get them better aligned and equipped to influence your customers. You know, that can be in the form of like the organization we were talking about, sending your, you know, some of your other people through the sales training. Maybe that's a great way to do it, right? So we've all got the same heart uh, for what we're trying to do with our customers. Maybe there are other ways that you can invest in them. But if you're going to get them lined up and get them all pointed at, you know, doing what it takes to get this kind of restructured, get ahead of the game, I believe you've got to invest in them somehow. Uh, and looking for that is going to be key. And, you know, just a low-cost thing we did. You just reminded me of this. I didn't even think of this until you said that. But um, back, in, back in the early days at APC, we were trying to, you know, you know the concept, right? I mean, you take, as a customer service agent, you take 50, 60, 100 calls a day. And yep. by the 50, 60th one, you, you know, you're wearing out a little bit, right? I mean, you're like, it's just this mundane thing. And we used to say to our reps, listen, it's your 60th call of the day. But this customer may call us once in a lifetime or once a year. So you got to make every customer engagement feel like it's the only one you're doing today. And I know that's not easy, but we gave them mirrors that we put right up on their, by their monitors. And we, and it said on the bottom of the mirror, it all starts here. That's right. With a smile. And so what they would, you know, do is they'd be able to see that, you know, am I smiling? Because just smiling when you answer the phone can make a difference in the way you approach that call. Right. And that's a yeah. tiny little investment of that mirror, but it was a very significant uh, investment in, in, in the approach that we wanted to convey from, from all of our reps. And we really watched that. And I think that's, mm -hmm. I hadn't thought of that until you just said that that's, that's really a small thing that you can do, but it makes such a big difference for all those customers. Right. It really does. It, it does. And it, it's one of these things that just kind of blossoms like a flower. Right. So it's huge impact on the customer. But think about the impact that that has on your culture. Now, all of a sudden, everybody is aligned to one common goal. Mm -hmm. there, there aren't silos in the organization at this point. 
when a customer becomes the A1 priority and everybody isn't, you know, accountable for serving that, it's, it's just a huge, huge difference maker, you know, and we know that sales is the name of the game, right? That that's what we're trying to do. We're a sales training organization, but man, by investing in these, you know, extra degree people, you know, the other people that have the opportunity and influence, it all kind of goes back to what Mark Cuban said. You know, the thing he said, you said, no sales, no company. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, if you want to be a thriving company, get everybody selling, get everybody influencing and touching the customer and realizing that they're integral. And then you'll have a much bigger and much more successful company. I'm confident than, you know, maybe what you have right now. Yeah, I never thought I would consider Kramer a salesperson um, from Seinfeld. Everybody remembers Kramer, but the blog we just put out earlier uh, this month, <laughs> when he's telling, trying to convince George to move to California, he's selling. He's oh, yeah. selling. <laughs> oh, hey, Kramer's always selling something, man. Kramer's you always from selling. Kramer, man. Cosmo, right? Cosmo, Cosmo. School. Sure. Absolutely. Well, Sean, this has been an absolute slice. Um, I really have enjoyed this. Um, I'm not just not saying this because I don't say this to every guest. I have really had a good time on this one. What a great well, man, I, I'm sure it has something to do with the beverage from the barn that you started with. I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with me. But if I can just ask for permission, one of the things we teach salespeople to do is to ask for permission before we get off, if I can have a call to action. Please. Would you invite me back before the 208th? <laughs> Episode, or do I have to wait like every 103rd before I get to come back? You are welcome back anytime, my friend. This is good stuff. We, uh, yeah, keep writing. That was a great, great blog. Loved it. And uh, Appreciate we it. definitely want to have you back again. Any parting jewels for, uh, for our crowd before we turn them loose? Man, all I can say is keep listening to Ales with Aslan. I love to be able to share this uh, with friends. I love to be able to share it, quite honestly, with people that don't sell. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's in line with what we're talking about here too, because um, selling's not an ugly thing, man. And I learned, you know, I said, I started out and said I would never be in sales. I understand how wrong I was as I mm. sit here now some 27 years later and realize that it's one of the greatest opportunities we had to serve. So man, everybody get on board because it makes a huge difference, not only in clients' lives, but in your own. So we are never more fulfilled than when we are serving others, right? You've said it a hundred times and, uh, right. and uh, maybe a million times. You, you, you are our biggest champion of that. Yeah, there is a big difference. And it's somewhere in between, but um, thank, thank you, Sean, for joining us. You guys get out there and share the, uh, the pod with your friends, download and subscribe. Uh, like us out there because we really want to get this to as many people as we can share us on LinkedIn and Twitter and, We'll keep doing them. Uh, you send us topics if you've got them, and we'll get after it. And we'll see you next week on another episode of Ales with Aslan. Mm -hmm.